Kyle Chargers here sitting in for Jared. He will be back tomorrow, I'm sure, to uh, get you rolling toward that game against Minnesota this weekend as the Boilermakers travel up to play the Golden Gophers in what will be a gigantic football game. Let's talk about that and much more by bringing in Mike Carmen, beat writer for the Boilermakers for the Journal and Courier on the Blue Flat Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Hey, Carm, uh, Purdue gets a victory uh, over the weekend against FAU. Uh, it was an ugly one, but it was a win. It does come with a lot of questions, though, coming forward. Well, it, it does, but you also have to keep in mind who didn't play. Uh, Aiden O'Connell didn't play. Jalen Graham didn't play. Uh, Reese Taylor didn't play. King Daru didn't play. So, I mean, you had some of your main players that were not involved in the game. Should should have Purdue maybe stretched that lead out a couple more times? Sure. Uh, but I think most people understand that Purdue's program isn't, like, stocked full of uh, five-star talent and people that just can – you don't have another Jalen Graham on your team. You just yeah. don't. You don't have. You know, I don't even know if you have one in the pipeline. Uh, so there's some players on Purdue's program or on Purdue's team that you just cannot replace if they're not there. And I think Jalen Graham is one of those. You know, Austin Burton was okay. He did, you know, he got him off, off to a fast start in the end zone. And then, uh, you know, a couple things that he did that, you know, Purdue has struggled with a little bit in the first, uh, when you look at Penn State and Syracuse, I mean, they were able to get some points right before the, before the half. And then uh, they were able to get another touchdown in the third quarter to, you know, get some of that momentum back. But, you know, Purdue needs its best players on the field, regardless of who they're playing. Uh, so, you know, the struggles were not uh, all the way a surprise, but they do have some areas that need to get cleaned up in a hurry if they're going to truly be a contender in the Big Ten West. Yeah, and I said in the open, too, you know, we felt like, Purdue's depth was going to be a strength in the preseason. And, well, we got to see if, in fact, some of that depth could step to the forefront. And at least for one game, Purdue was able to piece it together a little bit. Now, will that continue to work once the Big Ten returns this weekend and against what is a very good Minnesota team? That might be the part of the equation that becomes a lot more difficult. Right. I mean, Purdue's deep at some positions, but they're not deep at other positions. I mean, their defensive line, they're, they're deep, but they don't have a, a star on the defensive line. They've got a lot of bodies. Uh, all the players are roughly the same. There's not much drop-off when you substitute, which, you know, that can be a good thing. But you look at the secondary, I mean, uh, Jamari Brown and Corey Trice had to play the whole game because Reese Taylor was out, yeah. and they don't have a lot of really any depth. At, at the cornerback position. So those guys were on an island, and they were probably dragging at the end. And it doesn't, you know, no one's making an excuse for what happened uh, in the back half uh, Saturday night. But, you know, Purdue's deep at quarterback because you have an experienced guy with Austin Burton. They're deep at running back now, which hasn't been the case over the last few years. Um, they, they're playing more guys on the offensive line. You know, linebacker's not very deep either, and, you know, safety's not very deep either. So they've got some depth at places, but you know those those guys that are going to play Saturday, if the main if the main people aren't back, are going to have to to step up and fill a big void. 
So Purdue gets a victory against FAU on Saturday. I was, uh, as, as just some dude sitting far away, was hoping that the post game would come and, and Jeff Brown would say, yeah, uh, we probably could have used Aiden O'Connell today, but we thought we could get by, and, and we did. We managed the situation, but it'll be good to go next week against Minnesota. Uh, unfortunately, that's not what we heard. Uh, we heard a little bit more caution about uh, Aiden O'Connell going forward. And I don't blame Jeff Brown for playing this close to the vest. Obviously, he, he's going to do that. I think it's the, the smart move. Do you have any feel for whether Aiden O'Connell will be able to go against Minnesota, whether he'll be able to go the week after that? Is this a long-term situation? Any idea what the uh, what the story will be with him going forward? Today, uh, no. Uh, I, you know, I think you got to wait till tomorrow to try to find out if he actually practiced uh, starting the week. I mean, if he if he's back out on the practice field. Tuesday and Wednesday, that's probably a positive sign. But if he's not practicing Tuesday and that bleeds into Wednesday, then it's probably unlikely that, that he would play. And that would go for anybody who's questionable uh, this week. So on Monday, I, I don't think you're going to get a clear uh, idea. You know, Jeff Brown may know he's not going to play and just wants to play this out to make Minnesota prepare for as many people as possible. Or Jeff Brown's pretty confident that Aiden O'Connell will get back uh, and just wants to keep that under control. And that's what he should do. I mean, that's just, it, it's part of what needs to happen. As you know, and you, you've been around it, the uh, pre-Jeff Brown, there were some coaches who just kind of gave you every injury report on the list. And it really <laughs> And it really didn't do Purdue uh, any favors by by saying that. Now, we in the media and the fans appreciate knowing who's going to play and who's not going to play. But from a purely, if you want Purdue to do the best that it can, then you're going to keep that that information as close as possible and not let it get out. And it's it's hard because there's so many people involved. There's so many people in practice. There's so many people in the building and the program that kind of know that and. You know, everybody on social media today wants to play junior reporter and say, well, this is what I heard from a friend who heard from a friend who heard from a manager that <laughs> he was going to play or not going to play. So, yeah, we're going to, I think this mystery probably goes up to, to kick off again or at least Saturday uh, at some point before the game to, uh, to figure out who, who's going to be in the lineup and who's not. Talking to Mike Carmen of the Journal and Courier about the Boilermakers as Purdue gets set to take on Minnesota at noon on Saturday. The game plan that appeared against the Owls on Saturday, uh, Carm, was to start Austin Burton, bring Michael Limo in in the second quarter, and maybe give Purdue a little bit more of a downfield passing threat. Now, as it turned out, he played just the one possession. If Aiden O'Connell cannot go on Saturday in Minnesota, do you anticipate maybe that Jeff Brom will try that again, perhaps to give Purdue a little bit more of a vertical passing game? Yeah, I think the plan would be to try that, but I also think you have to see what's going on in the game. If for some reason Purdue um, would get down early, 7 nothing, 10 nothing, and you can't afford to get down anymore, then I would think he would stick with Burton, assuming that Burton is somewhat effective. If you're if you're tied or you're up a little bit, you may 
you may throw a lame in there or you may not. Um, the one thing Jeff did talk about today at uh, his uh, weekly press conference was maybe trying to get some more downfield passing from Austin Burton because, that, you know, that's not a strength of his. It's O'Connell's strength, but it's not his strength. But the one thing that Austin Burton did that O'Connell maybe doesn't do enough of is find the running backs out of the backfield. I mean, his, yeah. longest, his longest completion was a 28-yarder to Devin Mockaby. Well, it wasn't a long pass. It's just that uh, Mockaby was out in the flat and turned a, turned a short pass into the 28-yard gain. So you, you get some yards that way uh, without really pushing the ball downfield like Aiden O'Connell does. But you're going to have to. You're going to have to get Charlie Jones free. And, you know, the one thing that, Purdue didn't do as well as it did at Syracuse was involved Payne Durham uh, in the offense uh, last week. He, he needs to be uh, in there working the middle of the field uh, and maybe taking some attention away from Charlie Jones on the perimeter. So, you know, Jones and Durham are going to have to have a big game and they're going to have to force feed them the ball uh, to really, you know, move this offense. Defensively, Purdue's playing a, a whole lot of one high safety man on the outside. As you mentioned, there is there is not a whole lot of depth there in the secondary. I think all those guys basically had to play every snap or or, or nearly every snap on Saturday. Uh, Purdue wants to stop the run and uh, you know make the other team have to throw it a little bit. Is this a uh, a strategy that it can keep up, especially against you know a Tanner Morgan who we saw throw nearly a perfect game? I'm not sure he's that good a quarterback, but against Purdue that day he was really good. Throw nearly a perfect game a couple of years ago against the Boilermakers. Is this just the strategy, the scheme that Ron English, Jeff Brom, and Purdue's defense is going to use going forward? Well, as you mentioned, uh, the one, the one, it, Purdue has struggled with Minnesota in several areas, but the the one one area that really stands out is they've they've never really gotten a control of their RPO game, and yeah. you know Tanner Morgan's been able to 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 sit there in the pocket and throw short passes to his receivers who are making plays uh, without getting knocked off his spot, and. You know, I think Purdue's goal is going to be to, to try to stop the run again. They they did okay last year against Minnesota, but not good enough. Where they forced them into becoming a uh, maybe a more more of a passing team than they want to. Uh, so the goal for this week is you you have to stop the run. You can't let you can't let Minnesota dictate the line of scrimmage and chew up a bunch of yardage on the ground. You've got to force them in passing situations and where they get out of their RPO game, where they have to, if they're third and eight and third and seven, they have to take a deeper drop back and maybe give your defensive line a chance to get in there and be curious how much Purdue tries to blitz to get Tanner Morgan, you know, frustrated or at least uncomfortable uh, in the pocket. But during his 10-year career, uh, he's he, he's done very well against <laughs> Purdue. He's done very well against Purdue. And, I think he's completing like 67% of his passes, six touchdowns and one pick in, the, in those games. So um, yeah, Purdue has its hands full from, a, from an offense that looks really, really balanced. And I know it, their, their schedule hasn't been great. I mean, they beat up on some really bad teams. Uh, you know, the, you know we, we don't know how good or bad Michigan State is at this point, but they did throttle them in East Lansing, and I think you have to take notice of that. But – you know, as we get deeper in the season, we'll, we'll kind of figure out who's 
who's for real, who's not. But right now, Minnesota looks the part of a team that will be very, very difficult to beat for a team like Purdue and also probably some other Big Ten uh, schools coming up. They have a very manageable schedule. Uh, and this is an important game for them because they, they can't slip up. But it's a it's an important game for Purdue because they if they want to compete in the Big Ten West, this is almost a must-win because I don't know how many games Minnesota's going to lose this year playing at the level they're playing at right now. Yeah, combined quarterback experience of the guys that we've talked about today, O'Connell, Burton, uh, Morgan, it's like 25 years that they've been like combined. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Those guys have been around – uh, forever. All right, one more uh, before we let you go, Carm. Uh, when, what game will it be that Purdue does not commit some sort of unsportsmanlike or personal foul that either cost them or nearly cost them a game? Will that come? Is that is that coming uh, Saturday? Will it will it happen the Saturday after that? Will it happen at some point? I mean, it's just it's just crazy that that this continues. I mean, it almost. Almost cost Purdue another game on Saturday after it did cost Purdue, in my opinion, a game against Syracuse. Yeah, um, I can't predict when they'll clean that all up, but it, you know we're four games into it, so at some point you are who you are. Yeah, and it, it just now they only had five total penalties on Saturday. One was a, a bad one, and one that extended a, what what would become a touchdown drive. Uh, and it almost did cost Purdue. You know, I, I don't know if they if they ever get to that point where they're not having one of those. I mean, that's that's just kind of who they are. And uh, you, you wish they were not that because last year that's not who they were. Uh, but this year, that's that's kind of their mo. And as other teams watch film and scout them. They, they they watch the Syracuse game. They know that Purdue can be baited into something. Yeah, and you can bet however money how much money that you have that Minnesota is going to try to bait Purdue into a into a personal foul or an unsportsmanlike penalty at some point because they're just going to talk some trash. And if if Brahms got his message through to his team, they're just going to walk away. But it's very hard to do in the emotion of the moment to do that. But they're going to have to be a mature team from this point forward and not beat themselves. And, you know, I feel, and I think a lot of people feel this, you know, Syracuse, they definitely beat themselves. Penn State, they had moments where they really beat themselves with missed tackles and other things. Yes, this team could be 4-0, but probably more likely 3-1 and at this point. But they have to clean up their act. They have to, they have to play, uh, they have to play like their age and not, you know, and get away from some of this stuff uh, if, they're, if they're truly going to, to to want to have the season they want to have here in the next two months. A little bit of breaking news here, Carm. Payne Durham has already been called for an offensive pass interference. Just the flag just got thrown on the field. He, he, he's in the middle of so much stuff. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's that, crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, you, you talk about the game a couple years ago. I mean, as long as there's not a uh, late uh, substitution on the official officiating side, then I, uh, I think things will things will be fine. There you go. All right. <laughs> Appreciate the time, Carm. All right, thank you. That's Mike Carmen of the Journal and Courier joining us on the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Let's take a break. We'll come back, talk a little bit more football. We'll do that next. This is the Hammer Down Show. One zero one seven. The Hammer. One zero one seven.